Welcome to a daily dose of Torah, as Rabbi Ruvi New masterfully blends a flavorful mix of today's Hayom Yom, Hasidic meditation, Torah portion, Tanya, and Maimonides. Get ready for a delicious and nutritious power booster for your soul. Ready to power up your day? Join Rabbi New for the daily Torah podcast on your favorite podcast provider like Spotify, Apple, and Google. Plug in and power up. Good morning. Welcome to this morning's edition of 10 Minutes of Torah. Today is the 27th of Sivan. Actually, a wedding anniversary. Thank you for uh, all of your Mazel Tovs. And uh, today we are going to share with you two big ideas as to how to attain financial success. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Well, here we are. The Torah says, this is from today's Hasidic anecdote. It is written in the Torah, quote, God, your Lord, will bless you in all that you do. End quote. And here the Rebbe unpacks this. A person only needs to make a vessel, which means a channel, for their livelihood and should make every effort that it be pure, which means that the way we go about making a living should be pure, without any trace of deception. A person should, in other words, be very upright, forthright, honest, and transparent in their business dealings, so that in every respect it accords with the laws of the Torah, the way one conducts their business and comports oneself should be 100% airtight, clean. It will then be a fit receptor for sublime blessings in two ways. The person goes about making a living in a very upright manner with integrity and honesty. This creates the channel for the blessings to come in two ways. Number one, that one's livelihood should be ample. Now, the abundance that a person should have financial success, number one. And number two, that it will be directed toward the proper place. In other words, that a person not only enjoys a financial success, but that one's expenditures in life are towards positive ends. In other words, God forbid a person could have abundant um, financial success, but have to spend money on things that they would rather not, like God forbid health-related issues and so on and so forth. So there's a twofold blessing. One is to have resources, financial resources, and the other is to be blessed that all one's financial resources should go towards positive investments and usages in, in, in life. Um, we got Maria checking in from Melbourne. G'day, or good evening, down in lockdown Australia. Um, so, now I know why you're watching at almost 12 o'clock at night. There's nowhere to go tomorrow. Not just joking. Um, 
So that's uh, the Hayyim Yoyim, the Hasidic teaching for today. As one, as Reb Maharaj once said, why is it that for the first 40 years of the Jewish people as a nation, as we read about in last week's Torah portion, we ended up spending 40 years in the desert, during which time all of our resources, all of our food came in the form of the heavenly manna. It's to tell us that even today, even though we don't literally see manna falling from heaven, but conceptually it's the same thing, which means all material resources come from God, come from heaven. Only that, in order to be deserving of their receiving, we need to create a vehicle. And as we said, the vehicle, good morning from Chandler, Arizona, say, good friend, good, say hello to my dear friend Rabbi Mandy Deitch, in Chandler, I think actually is making a wedding this week. So, um, that's the way we create a pure, clear um, vehicle for God's abundant blessing. Speaking of God's abundant blessing, in today's Torah portion, which is the second section of the Torah portion of Korach, the rebellion against the leadership of Moses and Aaron is in full swing, instigated by Korach and uh, two protagonists, Doson and Aviram, which we're going to talk about in this week's Torah view, which will be launched on Facebook later uh, this week. In the opening verse of today's Torah portion, they contend and to, to Moshe, you didn't even bring us to the land flowing with milk and honey. Now, it's a very loaded statement. And that actually uh, needs to be contextualized by the report of the spies in last week's Torah portion, who came back and did not deny the fact that Israel is a land flowing with milk and honey, but they actually turned that blessing um, against Moshe, against God, in so much as, they, as we know, they brought back these huge clusters of fruit that were like um, supersized uh, fruit, and what they were uh, what they were trying to project to the people was, oh yeah, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, but it's it's ridiculous. It's like disproportionate. The blessings are so, the blessings are so overwhelming that look at the size of this fruit. I mean, who could finish a grape this size? You get drunk just from one uh, from one grape, and this is. But but the underpinnings of what they were saying was that there's too much material abundance there for a person to be able to lead a spiritual life. Ah, so what they were really saying was, we want to live lives that are spiritual, that are pure, without distractions from material abundance. As if to say, the two are not compatible. And you can't enjoy material, material abundance and be a spiritually focused person. That was a fundamental mistake. Because material abundance is a blessing from God, not a curse. And it doesn't need to be a distraction. It can be a vehicle for great, great positive impact in the world. It's all a matter of the perspective of the individual. So what they were trying to... to present as a liability, which was the incredible um, material abundance in the land of Israel, 
is actually a great blessing. It goes back to what we're talking about today, the theme, the material abundance is a great blessing from God, a great vehicle to be able to accomplish great uh, positive uh, changes and impact for uh, the world in which we live. Now we, uh, we come to today's uh, Tanya Daltareba talks about the spiritual um, attributes of the soul of man which start with what's called Chachma. Chachma is where all things originate, all things meaning, all human experience, whether it be intellectual, emotional, or active, all are rooted in the attribute of Chachma. Chachma is the foremost state of consciousness, of awareness, and as such, it is both considered to be transcendent and imminent at the same time. And what that means is is this, a, a let's say an idea that you uh, initially conceive of in your mind that that foremost state can um, can um, express itself in, in, in multiple different ways. It can express itself in an intellectual process, it could express itself in a form of communication or in a form of action. Um, meaning to say that the Chachma itself, which is the concept itself, remains in a more transcendent, amorphous state, and then, depending on how we choose to channel it, um, it can be channeled in various different um, directions. Now, the reason al is talking about this is because, as we'll discuss tomorrow, this uh, is also true of the way God um, operates in terms of the source of the universe and the way energy flows and is um, distributed. Uh, lastly, we have the mitzvah of from the Rambam's book of mitzvahs today, the 613 mitzvahs. This particular mitzvah pertains to a high priest. So we know we have the priesthood, which is a matter of bone of big contention in today's Torah portion. Of course, Kairach rebelling against that, the hierarchy of priesthood of Aaron, and Aaron was the high priest. Now, the Rambam's mitzvahs, the laws the Rambam is discussing are the laws of uh, the laws of mourning and the laws of burial. And uh, in that regard, Maimonides um, states today that a high priest is not allowed to um, is not allowed to be even under the same roof as a dead body, even of a close relative, because he has to maintain the highest level of spiritual purity because he has access to the most holiest restricted place in the world, which is the Holy of Holies. So he has to maintain a very high level of spiritual purity, which means not only may he not touch a dead body, he may not even be under the uh, the same roof and even a body of a relative, which is a particular restriction for a high priest. Having said that, how uh, much the high priest needs to be cognizant uh, and aware of his state of ritual purity and maintaining it um, but on the other hand, um, Jewish law also maintains that if the high priest, um, even if he's in the midst of performing the service on Yom Kippur in the Holy of Holies, which is about as holy as it gets, if somehow he becomes aware of a situation in which someone's life is imperiled and he's in a position to be able to save that life, he has to make a beeline out of the Holy of Holies, out of the temple, and go and try and save 
a human life. So even though he's restricted in some in terms of um, his state of ritual purity, but in an extenuating circumstance, when there is a life at risk, he has to forego his state of ritual purity in order to save a life because there's nothing more sacred. There's nothing more holy. There's nothing more pure than life itself. Thanks for joining us on 10 Minutes of Torah. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. Make it a great day. Thank you for tuning in to today's Daily Dose of Torah. For more life-enriching wisdom from Rabbi New and to sponsor a Daily Dose of Torah, go to bocabeachchabad.com.